Welcome to day 135 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Matt Kresge, Katie Kresge, and David Keefe as we continue in season two, the drama of Scripture. And we have found ourselves in a key place in the story of Israel or the story of God and his redemptive purposes, you know, with us leading, you know, to Christ. When we read the book of Judges, you heard the sad appetite at the end of the book that in those days Israel had no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And here in Samuel, we have the transition, which is a very rough transition, into uh, to kinghood or to the serving of a godly king. And it gets off to a very hard start in, in the person of Saul mm-hmm. and then becomes more of a fulfillment or a vision of the coming Messiah in the person of David, even with all of his flaws. But the transitional figure that uh, ushers us into uh, through this rough period and into uh, the anointing of David as a king after God's own heart is Samuel, and we begin his story yesterday. We left him as a three-year-old, a four-year-old, worshiping in the temple of the Lord. And as was well advertised yesterday by Matt Kresge, we come to the uh, prayer of Hannah. And it is uh, not only rich in theology, but it is also one uh, from whom uh, you know Mary will later draw some of her themes as she thanks the Lord for what the Lord has done for her in giving life in her womb through the Holy Spirit. So before we uh, jump into it, since I'm mad, it's so eager you know, to jump into this prayer. Why don't you pray for us as we read this prayer? Yeah, let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word, and we do thank you for time together. Um, hearing from you and, and hearing the, the prayers and, and the, the heart of, of your people. Uh, Father, we ask that as we read this, um, you would use it to, to shape us, to transform us, but also to to teach us to pray uh, father we thank you that we have access to you that we get to draw near and um and fellowship with you because of what christ has done on our behalf and, and so father would this time be a time that um, encourages us convicts us and, and transforms us uh, we ask that in jesus name amen first samuel chapter two then hannah prayed and said my heart rejoices in the lord and the lord my horn is lifted high My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bells of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. Lord brings death and he makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. That was a practice of the priest that whenever any people offered a sacrifice, the priest would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. 
whatever the work brought out, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. The person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want. The servant would answer, no, hand it over now or I take it by force. The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband off the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all of Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my son, the report I'm here spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it is the Lord's will to put them to death. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Now men of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestor's family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestor's family all the food offerings presented by the Israelite. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and my offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore the Lord God of Israel declares, I promise that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I'll cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age, and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life." And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They'll both die on the same day. I'll raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I'll firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so that I can have food to eat." Uh, you have the warmth of the story of Samuel and uh, the gift uh, that uh, uh, he was you know, to the Lord in the presence of the Lord from his mother Hannah and, of course, the gift he was to his mother Hannah uh, by these two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who are completely taking uh, you know, advantage of their positions of power in, in, in pretty incredible ways. They, they want the fat part of the portion which is reserved for the Lord and not only that they're taking advantage of the women who are serving the tent of meeting and, and it, it's horrendous you know you know, for us uh, to see it and of course this is something that the Lord will not let 
uh, you know, go unpunished. And of course, we remember Aaron's two sons also took for granted the holiness of the Lord and offered in a strange fire before the Lord, and, and they were judged immediately. And you'll move, you know, to the uh, New Testament where you have Ananias and Sapphira who come in again, uh, taking uh, advantage of or. Uh, you know the, the offering of the Lord and mm-hmm. proclaiming more honor for themselves than before the Lord, mm-hmm. and, and they're judged immediately. God doesn't always judge us immediately, but we know from the Old Testament, from the New Testament as well, that God cares deeply about His honor, and He cares deeply about sin, mm-hmm. and He He will act and, and He will judge. Yeah, it was that that paragraph um, that there treating the Lord's offering with contempt. I mean, um, I don't know. I just think, I just think it's, it says a lot about what they're doing. It's not necessarily the act. It's really the heart of, of the act. It's, um, what, what it's saying about where their heart is that they have absolutely no, no respect for the Lord and no understanding of, of his holiness and, and their place, um, in the story. And I mean, that, that's definitely, it to read it is it's always for us right as we read um scripture it's always we shake our heads at people like this but then to really read it honestly we see how often we treat the lord with contempt and um it's probably good to just spend a little time meditating on that and asking the you know repenting for the things that we do as well Um, i'm i'm hoping you know none of us have you know, have done this, but uh, we certainly do know of instances where uh, those serving the Lord have taken the fat portion for themselves, and we certainly know of instances where they have taken advantage of those they should be ministering with and ministering to. So we, we do see this happening in scandalous, in scandalous ways. But anytime we we come casually into the presence of the Lord and just mm-hmm. kind of go through the motions, we're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're failing to recognize His holiness, His grandeur, His majesty, and awe. And our half-hearted worship is also. Uh, you know, treating the Lord, you know, with with some contempt or taking him, you know, taking him lightly. It may not, you know, go to this this level. And it may not be judged as immediately as harshly as this, but it is. Uh, sometimes our, our worship is a half-hearted offering, you know, to the Lord rather than a wholehearted giving of ourself, heart, soul, and mind to Him. Mm-hmm. And there's such a a big difference between kind of Hannah's song, which starts this chapter, and all the things and mm-hmm. her worship to the Lord for who he is and, and what he's done and, and also the great reversals he will do and then we get immediately placed to Eli's wicked sons mm-hmm. and, and see the half-hearted nature of their worship and their service to the Lord and so just a huge contrast in, in Hannah's her her kind of the way she relates to the Lord as well as Eli's sons as they're mm-hmm. just taking advantage of rather mm-hmm. than worshiping fully from yeah. the heart when mm-hmm. Hannah's portrayed really is one who is righteous in this moment you know that she's the one who is responding rightly to the lord seeing him as he is i mean this prayer is incredible and if we catch hints of mary's prayer in the new testament you know we should um i mean hannah's hannah's prayer is is huge and it is there's a big contrast between her prayer right here and then you know uh, eli's sons but i also love um i remember uh, Stephen Dempster wrote a really good book, Dominion Dynasty. If you're listening, you want to 
a nerdy theological book that's really good. He he talks about Hannah's prayer as being uh, this nerdy theological moment was brought to you by Matt Kresge. <laughs> yeah. but he, he talks about, and I remember him saying this, and can't unsee it. But how Hannah's prayer is really he called it like a hermeneutical bridge for from this moment to really this the, even more nerdy theological yeah. moment brought to you by Matthew Kresge. So if you're curious what that means, go read it. But how as we watch um, Hannah's prayer unfold, we begin to see. This kind of these great reversals that take place that Absolutely. eventually will lead us to this great reversal in salvation, where the Lord will accomplish our salvation by giving strength right. to His King. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I mean, we see you know Hannah experiences this personal yeah. renewal in the first. You know, my my heart rejoices from the Lord. She goes from weeping bitterly, pouring out her soul to the Lord, now to her heart rejoicing uh-huh. in the Lord. He's my horn. And then mm-hmm. we get a little glimpse of of the nation of Israel and bows are broken and. Yeah. And, and it's really kind of the hermeneutical, it's setting us up for what's going to unfold in the right. theology of this book. And, and by hermeneutical bridge, mm-hmm. our dear friend Matthew Kresge means there are some really big <laughs> themes in this prayer that you will see recurring throughout Scripture. And, and, and the one is the great reversal. Those who are proud and those who are lofty and those who are depending on their own strength are, are brought low. But those who are humble and those who are weak. Uh, you know, and have come to the end of themselves, receive you know great strength from the Lord, which will be you know which will be seen in this. And, and of course, we we shouldn't forget uh, right there in the middle of it is just a pregnant question. Uh, you know, the, the sticking out. You know, if if someone sins against another man, perhaps the Lord will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who will mediate for them? And of course, we hear the answer screamed in the New Testament. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. And, and so you have that you know, picture of the, the burning question, how can, how can the rift between us and God be repaired? And in that question, we have the answer coming. Uh, through the king after God's own heart, the better David, the greater David. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And of course there's a design pattern in this particular chapter. You have the worship of Hannah and the abuse of of Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Then you have Samuel, the picture of Samuel as someone who is worshiping before the Lord. And then you have the prophecy against Hophni and Phinehas. And so it's scene to scene. You're moving from true worship to the abuse of worship to the consequences of living in the presence of the Lord are the consequences of taking advantage of the Lord or, or treating the Lord in contempt in it. And there's so much more in the, in this chapter or in this hermeneutical bridge <laughs> and uh, as a bridge out of the hermeneutics of this passage. Did you start us off with a word of prayer? Yeah, I did. Matt, did. You're, you're hot yeah. today. Why don't you Ooh. just keep on praying? Keep on, yeah. yeah, take us, take us all the way out. out. Yeah. Bridge us out there. <laughs> Father, we thank you. Uh, for your word, we thank you for the great reversals. We thank you that um, though we are weak, we are, are made strong in Christ Jesus because the one who had all things um, did not consider them something to be held on to, but emptied himself for our sake. And so, Father, we thank you for the salvation we have in Christ Jesus. Uh, would we would we worship you um, wholeheartedly today, uh, not treating any aspect of of our worship of you with contempt Uh, but father would we be found faithful Uh, we thank you for all that you continue to do in our lives it's in christ's name we pray amen